This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I was already planning ahead. My father must have had another breakdown. He'd probably been found roaming the streets clad in nothing but boxer shorts and raving about being cheated of the Nobel. Could one of my sisters take the train down tonight to check on him at the hospital and sign the forms? I'd leave early on Sunday. Forget the post-wedding brunch. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I'm talking to Mako Yoshikawa about her memoir, Secrets of the Sun. Mako's father was born in Japan, and he was a brilliant Princeton University physicist and nuclear fusion researcher whose career withered when his bipolar disorder worsened. Mako cut him out of her life because he was abusive and destructive. But after his death, she began searching for answers about who he was. She only understands him after learning the story of his childhood. Hi, Mako. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galid. I'm very glad to be here. Um, You started writing about your father after his death. Why didn't you ever ask him about his childhood before? So my father and I had an immensely complicated relationship. Um, He was violent. Um, He was also bipolar and Um, Perhaps because of his sickness, he was actually often very cruel to um, my mother, sisters, and me. And so so I just, I adored him when I was a child. We were were actually very close when I was a child. But later on, we we became estranged. And I I just, I, I look back on that with real regret that I did not ask him about his childhood. And I used to grill my mother about her childhood. She had this wonderful fascinating childhood in Japan. Um, And so that's why I wrote the book. Yeah, you don't talk a lot about your mother. And what you do say is very sad, except I was delighted that she found someone and that she she ended up happy, right? Yes, I actually, I wanted to write more about my mother. And I did, I dedicated the book to my mother. I, I feel like she's, she's been at the heart of my life. And she's, she's at the heart of the book. Um, 
And somehow though, I did, I, I wrote more chapters about her and somehow those got whittled out during the editing process. And I, I think the focus, it's better that the focus is on my father, but I I feel as if, you know, so many of the stories come from my mother. And so I do think she's she's a big presence in the background. Um and and she's actually I she's I still have her so so she's still alive so so it means a lot to me that she that she's here to see the book come out and she's here to celebrate it with me so so I'm very happy about that. So you got married at forty four, and yes, I hope you're still happy, as you said. Do you think that part of your hesitancy to marry had something to do with your parents' unhappy marriage? Yeah, it's such a good question, Galit. I, I just, I do wonder about it, but you know, in the end, who knows? I think it, well, yes, who knows, first of all, but I also, I think it's really hard to find a good relationship. I think it's really, I just, I, I don't know about all the listeners out there, but I, I went on some doozies of bad dates. And so, you know, and I, I also, I, I had, I had many long-term relationships before Rob and, and, you know, they were, some were good for long periods, but they weren't right. And so I, um, maybe that is something I learned from my, from seeing my father's and mother's marriage, but you know, it's, it's important to find a good match. And so, okay. So maybe I waited long because of my father being so difficult, but I think that that was a good thing in the end, because, it was just, it was so different to be with Rob than it was to be with the other relationships. I I, I will say that. You had so, to find your person. I get it. Yes. So yes. in retrospect, do you think going through with your wedding was the right decision? I mean, that night, I know in, in my culture, life comes before death and the wedding would proceed anyway, but the party might not have happened now that it's in the past. What do you think? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, yes, I, and I should set it up I, just a little bit for people who haven't seen the book that, um, well, so I was estranged. My father and I were estranged and I did not invite him to the wedding. And so I just, you know, and I went back and forth on it and I did introduce Rob to him um, before my father's death, um, but I didn't invite him to the wedding. And I just, you know, I wanted my stepfather to walk me down the aisle. It was a difficult decision, but I made the decision and I was at peace with it. But then just while I was getting ready for the rehearsal dinner, I got a phone call from from a policeman and my father had died. And um, and that just threw me into this tizzy. And so I, I just... You know, and I went back and forth and I talked with my mother and stepfather and Rob and on and on. But um, and in the end, I just I went through. We decided to go through with a wedding and or I decided to go through with a wedding because everybody left it up to me. And I have to say that everything was such a blur and I wasn't really able to focus on, on you know, this whole transition, this kind of wonderful transition of being of getting married. Um, and um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it was the right decision. I guess I will never know. It's something I will continue to wrestle with, but there it is. <laughs> I, I was married before and had two small children when I married, so I maybe should have waited until I found the right person. But my husband of over 30 years was happy to hear the story of how you felt about your stepfather and how you wanted him to walk you down the aisle. Can you say oh. something about Jimmy? Yes. So Jimmy was... Um, Jimmy is this, this, he's been such a boon to all of us. So he, uh, 
Um, my mother, my mother, it, it took a lot of courage because she's a Japanese immigrant and, um, and her English is still not great. And, you know, she only had a green card and she really didn't have any like job skills. And so, but my father was so violent. And so when I was about 14, we left, we left kind of in the middle of the night, got police protection and all this stuff. And, um, and she was working and it was very hard for her because she was, she, she's, she's not so well. And, um, but then she met this great guy, Jimmy, and, and he just has been such a good father to all of us to my sisters and me and he's been so lovely to my mother she's she's actually losing her memory now and he's here he is uh. 90 and he's taking care of her and it's just like he's he's just I mean in some ways he was this model for me I was like okay maybe someday I could find a man who is as wonderful and stalwart and also so interesting and educated and and insane so mm -hmm. um did you ever figure out what happened to trigger your father's disease if there was anything at all it's such a um i i read so much about um bipolar disorder and it's just it is so complicated and they do often say that there there can be some kind of childhood trauma that triggers that um and so, I mean, th there are just myriad possibilities. So it could have been he, he suffered a lot during World War II as a child and um, had malnutrition. And then um, he, his father, his own father, was very difficult. And I don't want to say too much about that because that will give away yeah. some of the some of the pleasures of the book because it is kind of constructed as a mystery. Um. Can hello? Are you still? Yes, there? yes, okay. yes. Can you say something about the tokamak concept and your father's inventions? Great, um, thank you. Um, so my father was a fusion research scientist. He's a physicist, and he chose to go into fusion fusion energy research and um and he worked at Princeton University. And one of the things that they did was they were working on something called the tokamak. And this was this, um, and it's still, people are still working on it. And this is to try to get fusion energy to work, which would make such a difference to the world. And, um, and, and of course it would help solve the, the um, climate crisis and on and on. And so, um, so he, he was so, he he was so brilliant and um and really just he he maybe would have been better as a theoretical physicist it's it's just it's unclear to me because he had so much promise and and was so brilliant and um but working in teams was not his strength and that is something that's so necessary in a project like the tokamak and some, in solving something like um fusion energy which which is just this this enormous complicated difficult problem you do need to work in teams and this was not my father's strength can you talk about how he stayed at princeton for 40 years just a little bit and how how is it possible with his illness and you mentioned that he slid into alcoholism and he had some failure how did he what do you think how how did he manage to stay for so long um 
well, he had tenure, so that was part of it. Um, so yes, so um, I I do think it was interesting at his memorial service. Um, so many of his colleagues came, so many of his past colleagues, and so many people who are still working at Princeton came, and I heard some stories, and most of them, people giving the eulogies, they were of course very, um, they were filled with praise as these as as these speeches tend to be, but I spoke to some people who just made it clear that he was a very difficult person. And and I heard some anecdotes about different things he'd said. And I I I I think that it sounds as if he was pretty contemptuous to to some some of his colleagues. And so um it 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 sounds like from everything I've gathered from from all the research I did, it sounds as if there were some people who were very loyal to him and who fought to keep him there, and and they were they were really kind to him, and other people who did think he was a bit of dead weight. But there it is, and um, and so this was just I as as um to write this book, I I did do so much research and talking to all these different people, and it was. It was really interesting to me to see how this lab culture functioned, and um, and I'm most almost all men, right? Um, and it was just this kind of brotherhood, and it, it was actually very moving to 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 see that. So the research is so interesting. You, it seems like you did it and wrote the stories because you weren't doing well psychologically after his death. Did the writing help? Did the research help you? How are you yes. now? So I I do think um I mean it might have been partly because of the wedding that I went through with the wedding and it might have been just just the fact that I was so estranged and it might have been going to the memorial and hearing all these stories but I felt so I did I felt so guilty and and I was guilty and angry and confused and um and you know, and also grieving in my own way. And so, and there I was also married. And so, um, um, and so I'm a writer and all I could think about was to write, but I just, it was also just this quest to understand my father. And so it was, um, I mean, it was, it was a rough year, the, the very first year after his death and, and being, I, being married, for the first time and even though rob and i had been together for four years it was just i think it was a it, it was a lot on rob i i just i leaned on him really heavily and i was kind of a mess but um but finding out more about my father and contacting people and i spoke to is um he, he got he had been married a second time after my mother and i spoke to his children um his stepchildren and i I spoke to his colleagues and I, I just um, and I spoke to his um, the woman that he was with, his girlfriend that he was with when he when he died. I, I had long interviews with her and all of that. It was it was wonderful. It was very healing and it was great to to make these connections. I, I just I grew really close to his his girlfriend and um, it was it was just, it was a wonderful relationship and, and she, she has died since, but, um, but I, wow. I, I really love her. So that was, that was oh. lovely. Mm. Um, you don't speak a lot about your sisters, which is perfectly understandable because they're living, breathing human beings. And um, I couldn't tell them apart. I, 
this uh, in terms of. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Well, here's what I want to know. Were they helped by your research? Have you, have you sisters talked together about this? Has um, it changed anything for them? So I, um, I, I should say that I'm by training, I'm a novelist. I've written two novels and this is my first work of nonfiction. And I did realize how different it is to write nonfiction. Um, I think it is not easy to be written about. And my sisters, um, they made it clear that they didn't want to be in the book so much. And they were supportive. They are supportive, but um, it's complicated. My Actually, my niece um, lives in Boston now, and I invited her to one of my readings. And she, she told me that this, she is not ready to to hear about her grandfather and to learn about him in this way and um and I completely understand that here she she's she's she just graduated from college she's there's time for her to learn about this and I I I really I want to respect that and also and my sisters too that this they had a different relationship with my father and um with our father and I completely honor that. Mm-hmm. I respected that. Um, you knew about your father's cross-dressing, but not the extent of it. Can you say a bit about it? Yes. So um, it, it, when I was young, my father would periodically just put on flowery nightgowns and dresses. And it was just I mean, always, always at home. But um, I mean, when I was, when I was, 10, 11, 12, those are, those are difficult ages. And, um, and I, I was just, I was so worried. What if my, what if the mean girls at school found out what would happen? And I, I, I thought it was just so odd. And, um, and, and I thought, I thought he stopped it. I, I thought it was just a phase he was going through. And then, and then after he died, there were so many dresses in the, in the house. And, but he was also a hoarder and he was collecting all these different things that he didn't seem to need. So I wasn't sure if he was buying dresses for, for my sisters and me, who knows. But then um, I learned from his, from his girlfriend that, that yes, in fact, he had been cross-dressing all the way until the end and, and, that was really something. And, um, and I wrote about that too. And it is something I, I just, I can look back now and think how it was so, so silly and intolerant of me as a kid, not to understand that, okay, this gave him pleasure for whatever reason. I, 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 you know, I, I couldn't actually get to the bottom of why it gave him pleasure, but it did. And so who was I to, begrudge him that <laughs> we're also a little bit more open as a society and more yes. accepting at maybe at the time none of us knew much about that it was right right and and um i i i also when i um he had a breakdown and um i was in my 
thirties, I guess. And I went to see him at this, at this institution that he was being kept at. And, and there he was walking around in a dress and there were, there were these other men who were also patients and they were completely tolerant of it. And, and um, yes. And why not? You know, our parents embarrass us no matter how they behave when we're a certain age, when we're at a certain age, like we all remember that. So I was imagining like my parents were already so horrible, irritating and embarrassing. What would I have done? So I'm I'm wondering when you look back at yourself, what would, what do you tell your teenage self? Yes, that's so, that is so true. And, and this is not, um, an experience that is unique to me. I just, I, I feel remorse about it now, but, but, um, but it is, it's, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? It's hard to separate the strands, right? How much of it is me just being an adolescent and how much of it is, well, it's also having an immigrant, having immigrant parents there, there's something about that, right. And that we were doing different things than, than other families and that, I, I was mortified about that, right? And so, um, and then how much of it was about my father in his particular, with his particular idiosyncrasies? Um, so, so Laco, what are you working on next? Um, so I'm, I'm searching about a little bit, but one thing that I did want to do, because I am a novelist, I want to use some of this material to write a novel. I I just, the fact is that I never quite got to the bottom of what my father experienced. And I would love to write a novel in which I actually give him a point of view and do research and try to write a story of what it must have been like for him as a child in Japan and what he went through in the war and with his own father and later on in his life. But fiction, this will be a novel. Yes, and I a would lot have more freedom. Right, right, a lot more freedom, and and again, more research. But I, I want to give. I also, well, as I said, because my mother has been losing her memory, and I, I want to put her on the page too, and and give her, give her younger self a voice. Mm, that sounds lovely, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for joining me, Mako. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Galid. It's been wonderful. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Mako Yoshikawa about her new memoir, Secrets of the Sun. Hope you all have a good book to enjoy tonight and every night. Happy reading.